Hello, this is Gary Hutchins with the Sunny Slope Church of Christ in Omaha, Nebraska. Welcome to our Sunday morning Bible class. We podcast a Bible class, a Bible study for anybody who can listen on Sunday mornings at 9.30, which is the regular time for our Sunday morning Bible class and our church building at the Sunny Slope Church of Christ right here in Omaha. But we know that there are people who cannot be with us in person for whatever reason and around the area. And we also know that there are people who want to get into God's word. They want to have a Bible study, but they're in other parts of the country and so and, and literally around the world. And so we podcast these Bible studies every Sunday morning, along with a number of other podcasts that, again, get into Bible studies throughout the week. We podcast these through the internet all over the world. And so we're thankful to be able to do that. We're thankful to be able to teach God's word on such a widespread basis through the medium of the internet by podcasting. If you're listening to us from either the Omaha area or some other area in this country or somewhere around the world, we're thankful that you're there. And our prayer is that you are being blessed as we study God's word together, that you're also being instructed in his word in truth. We really try to emphasize we want to teach the truth of God's word. And as that happens, and as you're benefiting from it, your faith should be growing. And our prayer is that as your faith grows stronger and stronger, you're coming closer and closer to God. And ultimately, you're going to make your decision, if you have not done so already, to come to him his way through Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, and God's Son. Repenting of your sins, confessing your faith openly in Christ, and surrendering to him in baptism, at which point the blood that he shed on the cross so long ago is still absolutely 100% effective to cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, Acts chapter 22 and verse 16. And at that point, you will come into Christ because we're taught that that's how we come into Christ, through baptism. Romans 6 and verse 3, Galatians 3 and verse 27. You will be reborn spiritually, John 3, verses 3 through 5. And you will become a new creation from a spiritual perspective. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. Our prayers are with you and our prayers are for you and we really do pray for you. We want to encourage you to share these studies with everybody you can through Facebook friends, text messages, other technological means, but you know people in your life who need to turn their focus in life around. They need to come to God. You may help somebody get to heaven by sharing these studies with them as often as you can and with everybody you can. Share with your family members, your friends, your work associates, your neighbors, with literally everybody you can all the time. And also encourage them to go to our website at churchofchrist.com, churchofchrist.com. Now, that's free. It always will be free. And tell them to scroll down to their podcast link and click on that and sign up for our podcasting. Again, that's free. It always will be free. We're not after people's wallets. We want to help people get to heaven. And when somebody signs up for our podcasting, they will receive our Sunday morning Bible class, our Wednesday night Bible class, all of our sermons, and they will receive a Monday through Friday daily radio program, Search the Scriptures. And they will receive what I really think is just an outstanding 
opportunity to get into God's Word every day, even though it's only for a short time, but it's about a 13-minute Bible study every day, seven days a week, called Today's Bible Class. All of those will automatically go to their smart device, whichever one they choose, their phone, their computer, laptop, pad, tablet, whatever, whatever one they choose, and it will always be free. They can also access at our website hundreds of sermons they can download and listen to. They can also download and study through hundreds of scripturally-based and spiritually-focused articles, and all of that can help them in their spiritual lives tremendously. What a great blessing it will be to help somebody get to heaven. Tremendous blessing for them, but also a great blessing for you. So make that commitment and start sharing today. We're going to get back into our study of the early history of Israel. We actually began many months ago uh, with Genesis chapter 1 and verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And so through the book of Genesis, we actually studied through the early history of mankind and then saw where God began working through the bloodline of Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 to develop, bring about the nation of Israel through whom the Savior would come into the world. God would send his son through the bloodline of Abraham, and that bloodline would lead to the development of the nation of Israel. And through that bloodline, God would send his son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, into the world. Now, we have been looking at, beginning with Exodus chapter 1, and we're all the way through, well, about halfway through the book of Numbers now. And I'm doing a little skipping as we came to the latter part of Exodus and then Leviticus and Numbers because I'm letting you read those sections of Scripture that deal with various laws and ceremonies and such. And I'm trying to pick out the the more... Uh, pertinent areas that we can learn from as far as spiritual lessons are concerned for our own lives, helping us to stay focused on our relationship with God and to grow in our faith. Now, we have been looking then at the, the time that Israel, the Israelites, found themselves in bondage in Egypt, in Egypt, beginning with Exodus chapter 1, and then how God delivered them from that bondage through his servant Moses. And so Moses led them out of Egyptian bondage to Mount Sinai in the wilderness. God gave them the law. And all along that way, pretty much, and then after that, we continued to see the people of Israel, well, they'd go through periods of excitement and, and great dedication, it would seem, at least on a spoken level, to God. But then they would continually weaken in their faith and lose a lot of their faith in God's willingness and power to deliver them from whatever difficulty was facing them at various points in time along the way. And so God provided for them water miraculously. He provided for them food miraculously. And then we see also where he led them to the southern border of the promised land. And that was the land that God promised to these people, the people of, of, of the bloodline of Abraham, beginning with Abraham. Now, Abraham, he did not receive the promised land, but God promised it to him through his descendants. 
Same thing we could say for Isaac. Same thing we could say for Jacob to a great extent. And, and now God is ready to give their descendants, this mighty nation now, population-wise, as I said, probably around one to three million people strong by this time. And we're talking about hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years after Abraham. And now they're this mighty people population-wise, and God is ready to lead them into the promised land. But when they get to the southern boundary, Moses sends 12 spies into the land to spy out the land, to see what it's like, to see what the people are like, the cities are like, and so on. And 10 of those spies come back, and initially they say, well, it's, it's, boy, it's a land flowing with milk and honey. Let us show you some of the samples of the produce we're bringing back from that land. And that sounded really good. And those, 10, of those tri- 10 of those spies, one from each of 10 tribes uh, within the nation of Israel, they changed their, their tune, so to speak, virtually in an instant. And they said, we can't go into that land and try to conquer it. The cities are vast and fortified. The people there are strong and mighty, and they're even giants in that land. But there were two other spies from two other tribes. That they were Joshua and Caleb. And they said, whoa, 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 whoa. Let's go up at once. We are well able to take it. Now, by their own power? On their own? No. But by God's deliverance, by God's power, by his grace, he will give us victory. But the people as a whole listened to the 10 spies who said, we can't do this. We're like grasshoppers in our sight, and we're like grasshoppers in their sight. Well, so they were self-defeated already. The people took their word, and they turned against Joshua and Caleb, and God stepped into the picture and said, "Uh, okay, you don't have faith in me? Look what I've already done for you. I have basically devastated the nation of Egypt through the, through the 10 plagues. I have destroyed much of the Egyptian army as they were pursuing you across the Red Sea on dry ground when I led you safely across, and then I closed up the waters over them as they were pursuing you. I have miraculously provided water for you. I've miraculously provided food for you. I've given you my spiritual law, and you still don't trust me, don't have enough faith in me to give you this land to which I have led you through my servant Moses and the land that I have promised to you for generations, beginning with Abraham, your forefather. God said, uh, none of you adults from 20 years old, uh, 20 years old on up, I'm not going to let any of you go into that land. You're going to die in the wilderness. I'll lead, I'll lead your children who will have grown up during that period of time to become the next generation of adults. I'll lead them into that land. They will be of greater faith than their parents and grandparents. So God then began leading the people of Israel in a big circle through the wilderness for about 40 years. People will call that the wilderness wanderings. I call it piddling in the wilderness for 40 years. So that entire weak in faith generation of adults would die off and their children would grow up 
to become men and women of greater faith. God would lead them into the promised land and deliver it into their hands. They would fight the battles, God fighting before them, and they would defeat their enemies. We're in chapter 16 of Numbers, Numbers chapter 16. We keep seeing the people weaken, weaken in their faith from time to time. No matter what God had done for them, no matter how they had seen God bless them, they kept, they kept just having periods of time where they, they lost faith to a great extent. They lost their focus. And isn't that the way it is still today? No matter how God blesses us, don't we find ourselves tempted at points in time because maybe some challenge confronts us, maybe a difficulty, uh, an illness, uh, somebody might lose a job, or it, there might be economic difficulties in our lives that, that come along, and we find ourselves weakening in our faith and dedication to God? I call that the fickleness, fickleness if you would, of humanity. We're one way one day, and we're a different way another day. Well, that was the way it was with the Israelites as they were going through the wilderness. God would keep blessing them, keep delivering them, taking care of them, and they would be good for a while, and then they would start waning in their faith and dedication and trust in God to take care of them and ultimately give them the blessing that he had been promising for generations and generations. In chapter 16, we see a rebellion against Moses and Aaron. Moses being their God-appointed and directed leader, and God would speak directly to Moses, and Moses then would pass on God's instructions to the people, uh, part of the time at least, maybe most of the time, through Aaron, his brother, whom God instructed to have appointed as Israel's first high priest. So we begin with verse 1 of chapter 16 in Numbers. Now Korah, the son of Izhar, the son of Kohath, the son of Levi, and Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and on, and, and, and on the son of, of uh, Peleth, sons of Reuben, took men. And they rose up before Moses with some of the children of Israel, 250 leaders of the congregation, representatives of the congregation, men of renown. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron. Now, these are their leaders, God-appointed leaders. And yet here you've got all these people now among the Israelites, and apparently they're being led by Korah and, and also Dathan and Abiram and On. They're being led by these men, and they're going to rebel against Moses and Aaron. They gathered together against Moses and Aaron and said to them, You take too much upon yourselves, for all the congregation is holy, every one of them, and the Lord is among them. Why then do you exalt yourselves above the assembly of the Lord? Well, they were getting rather, well, certainly confrontational here, but uh, perhaps rather arrogant at the same time. They're saying, yeah, why should we follow you? You're, 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 you've got getting the big heads here, Moses and Aaron. No, God appointed them to be leading the people. They say, hey, we're all holy. The whole congregation, all the people of Israel are holy, and God's among us. Why do you exalt yourself above the assembly of the Lord? 
No, they did not exalt themselves. God put them in their positions of leadership. So when Moses heard it, verse 4, he fell on his face. And he spoke to Korah and all his company, saying, Tomorrow morning the Lord will show who is his and who is holy, and will cause him to come near to him, that one whom he chooses he will cause to come near to him. And so Moses, he falls on his face. Moses was a humble man most of the time before God. He had his moments, but he was humble most of the time. Remember, he, he did not even consider himself capable of being the leader that God wanted him to be to lead the people out of Egypt. But Moses finally, he finally agreed. And so he took that position of leadership. So Moses simply says, says to Korah, now Moses doesn't gather a whole you know, army of the people who are loyal to him among the Israelites and, and you know, have a physical fo- confrontation with those who, who are following Korah. No, he simply says, tomorrow the Lord will show us whom he wants to lead the people, who is holy. So verse 6, Moses says, do this. Take censors, Korah, and all your company. Now remember, there are about 250 following Korah and those other leaders that have come together and, and we could say conspired, I think, to replace Moses and Aaron. And so take censors, Korah, and all your company, put fire in them and put incense in them before the Lord tomorrow. And it shall be that the man whom the Lord chooses is the Holy One, You take too much upon yourselves, you sons of Levi. Then Moses said to Korah, Hear now, you sons of Levi. Is it a small thing to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel to bring you near to himself, to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord, and to stand before the congregation to serve them? Now, the Levites, that particular tribe, would become the priestly tribe. And so here are these men among the Levites who apparently are thinking, hey, we have a right to be leaders, you know, why do you, and we're supposed to be that, that priestly tribe, and, and so we're holy, why are you the leader there? Why are you taking it upon yourselves? Well, again, Moses did not take it upon himself, and neither did Aaron. They were appointed by God. So Moses is saying, the Lord's going to show us. The Lord's going to show us. Is it a small thing, verse 9, to you that the God of Israel has separated you from the congregation of Israel? In other words, you are a specially designated tribe to bring you near to himself to do the work of the tabernacle of the Lord and to stand before the congregation to serve them. Again, the priests would come from the tribe of Levi, and the Levite men would serve at the tabernacle. And that he has brought you near to himself, you and all your brethren, the sons of Levi with you, and are you seeking the priesthood also? Therefore, you and all your company are gathered together against the Lord. Oh, now Moses now is very direct in telling the Israelites, uh, telling the Levites who are challenging him in his position of leadership, you are gathered together against the Lord. 
And what is Aaron that you complained against him? Why are you complaining against Aaron? God has appointed him. And Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and they said, we will not come up. Oh, so now Moses says, okay, how could we put this in more contemporary uh, language? Okay, let's all come together tomorrow and let's see whom God chooses. And now Moses tells all of those gathered, you know, he begins talking to Korah, all those who are going with you, you're standing against the Lord. You're gathered together against the Lord. Now Moses sent to call Dathan and Abiram, the sons of Eliab, and you, you guys come too, all your folks here. And they said, no, I, I, we're not coming. Now was that, was that simply being uh, maybe not confrontational, but belligerent on their part? Or were they maybe shrinking away a little bit? now that they've been challenged by name, and directly so, by Moses. In verse 13, is it a small thing that you have brought us up out of the land flowing with milk and honey to kill us in the wilderness, that you should keep acting like a prince over us? Well, now it sounds like they're being arrogant again and confrontational with Moses, but they're not going to come and face him the next day. And so they're charging him again. You brought us, you brought us, up out of a land flowing with milk and honey. What land would that be? Egypt is what they're talking about. To kill us in the wilderness, that you should keep acting like a prince over us, like you're our, like you're our, our boss, so to speak. You're our prince. You're going to tell us what to do. Now, they were crying to the Lord. If you go back in Exodus chapter 1, they were praying to the Lord, deliver us from this bondage. And when God brought Pharaoh to his knees through those 10 plagues and Moses led them out of Egypt, these people were excited. They were exhilarated. They were praising God. God was delivering them. And now they're referring back to, again, remember, they were slaves basically back in Egypt. And Pharaoh was even having some of their newborn male babies killed because he didn't want their population to grow any larger. And now they're refer referring to that land back there in Egypt where there were slaves and from which they were praying to God, please deliver us. Referring to it as a land flowing with milk and honey. And now they're saying, Moses, you've led us out here to die in the wilderness. Verse 15, Moses was very angry and said to the Lord, do not respect their offering. I have not taken one donkey from them, nor have I hurt one of them. He says, I have not treated them shamefully. I have not treated them in any kind of way uh, wrongly. And so he's, he's asking God, don't, don't respect their offering. And Moses said to Korah, tomorrow you and all your company be present before the Lord, you and they, as well as, as Aaron. So Moses again tells Korah, you get all your folks together that you've been gathering together behind the scenes, and all of you come and be present with me and Aaron before the Lord. Let each take his censer and put, scent, and put incense in it, uh, in it, and each of you bring his censer before the Lord, 250 censers, that's how many again, both you and Aaron, each with his censer. 
And so every man took his censer, put fire in it, laid incense on it, and stood at the door of the tabernacle of meeting with Moses and Aaron. Okay, so they're all gathered together. This is going to be the, could we call it a spiritual contest, so to speak? Not really that. It's, it's a test. It's a test. Let's see who God designates as his leader, his chosen leader for the people. In verse 20, the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, separate yourselves from among this congregation that I may consume them in a moment. So God tells Moses, you and Aaron, you just step aside. I'm going to destroy this group. Then they fell on their faces and said, O God, the God of the spirits of all flesh, now this is Moses and Aaron praying to God, shall one man sin and you be angry with all the congregation? Now perhaps God was threatening here to destroy the whole nation, but certainly those 250 men who were speaking out against Moses and Aaron. 24, speak to the congregation saying, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. So the Lord spoke to Moses in response to his prayer to God when Moses said, are you going to destroy the whole, the whole nation? That's what it sounds like here. God is threatening to destroy all of Israel because of the rebellion of these 250 and particularly those who led them in this rebellion. And so Moses, uh, the Lord responds to Moses saying, speak to the congregation, to everybody, saying, get away from the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. Get away from those who have taken this upon themselves to lead something of a rebellion against my chosen servants and leaders. Tell all the rest of the Israelites, get away from those men. Then Moses rose and went to Dathan and Abiram, and the elders of Israel followed him. And he spoke to the congregation, saying, Depart now from the tents of these wicked men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. We need to separate ourselves from sin, and we need to separate ourselves from people of sin who might tempt us or influence us to enter into their sins. And so Moses tells the the rest of the people, get away from these men. Touch nothing of theirs, lest you be consumed in all their sins. So they got away from around the tents of Korah, Dathan, and Abiram. And Dathan and Abiram came out and stood at the door of their tents with their wives and sons and their little children. Do you see the fallout of sinfulness at times? It's not just the individual who commits the sin to begin with but he can have influence on his whole family and on others as well. And they can ultimately suffer the consequences of their being lured into that kind of sinful practice that this particular individual has influenced them toward. And Moses said, by this you shall know that the Lord has sent me to do all these works, for I have not done them on my own will. And certainly he did not. God God confronted him when he kept making excuses. And finally, Moses gave in and said, okay, I'll do your will. If these men die naturally like all men, or if they are visited by the common fate of all men, then the Lord has not sent me. In other words, if nothing happens to these men, 
they just go on for the rest of their lives, then the Lord has not sent me. I'm not his leader for you. But if the Lord creates a new thing and the earth opens its mouth and swallows them up with all that belongs to them, and they go down alive into the pit, then you will understand that these men have rejected the Lord. So this is nothing that Moses could have orchestrated on his own, causing the earth to split open and all of these men and their families to fall into that pit. Moses could not have caused that to happen. He could not have manipulated that kind of an event. And so he says, this will be an obvious sign for you, a lesson to you, that God has chosen me to be your leader. Verse 31, now it came to pass as he finished speaking all these words that the ground split apart under them, under Korah, Dathan, and Abiram, and their families at their tents. The earth split apart under them. And the earth opened its mouth and swallowed them up with their households and all the men with Korah with all their goods. I think we're to understand the 250 there who followed them. So they and all with them went down alive into the pit. The earth closed over them and they perished from among the assembly. Now again, Moses could not have manipulated that kind of event to happen. The earth splits open, they fall in, only those people, and then the earth closes back over them. This was an act of God, a miraculous happening. In verse 34, then all Israel who were around them fled at their cry, for they said, lest the earth swallow us up also. You can understand that kind of a response. They get away. And a fire came out from the Lord and consumed the 250 men who were offering incense. Okay, I apologize. I thought they would have been included in that earth swallowing them up, that event. No, God now deals with them directly. He sends fire down and consumes them. So they don't get away with it either. Now, the the leaders and their families... They're immediately consumed as the earth splits open, they fall in, and then the earth closes up over them. But now those 250 men who are going along with them, following them, God sends fire and consumes them. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, tell Eliezer, the son of Aaron, the priest, to pick up the censers out of the blaze for they are holy and scatter the fire some distance away. The censors of these men who sinned against their own souls, let them be made into hammered plates as a covering for the altar. Because they represented them before the Lord, therefore they are holy, and they shall be assigned to the children of Israel. So this is going to be a visual aid for the Israelites for years to come. So Eliezer, the priest, took the bronze censors, which those who were burned up had presented, and they were hammered out as a covering on the altar. Very interesting. The censers were preserved. The men were destroyed. To be a memorial to the children of Israel that no outsider who is not a descendant of Aaron should come near to offer incense before the Lord, that he might not become like Korah and his companions, 
just as the Lord had said to him through Moses. When God gives us his instructions, that needs to be understood and taken solemnly and authoritatively as God's instructions. And we better not try to change those. And the scriptures tell us that repeatedly throughout the entire Bible. Don't change the word of God. These men were guilty of rebelling against God's will, his word, his instructions, and his leaders. Great lesson for us today. We'll pick up with verse 41 next time. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for loving us. We thank you for giving us your word to guide us in your will. And help us, Father, guide us, bless us to be faithful to your word and your will. We pray this, Father, and help people everywhere to see their need to have that kind of humble surrender to you and dedication to you, faithfulness to you. Please forgive us, gracious Father. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.